This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Seek a licensed professional for investment advice about crypto or any other investment. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blazing Crypto Podcast. We are Justin and Brandon. This is episode 27. And we're excited today to be kicking off our, or continuing rather, our Building Conviction series focused on Ethereum. Justin, first of all, we are in the same physical location. I don't think we've recorded uh, together, so this should be interesting. Uh, sort of like a lunch we would have um, at Buffalo Wild Wings or you name the place over barbecue uh, talking about blockchains. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this a lot. Um, so in the part one of this Building Conviction series with Ethereum, you walked us through this dynamic of smart contracts uh, really helping automate this idea of trust. Um, you mentioned that legacy trust had some drawbacks. Remind us of what the drawbacks to legacy trust are briefly as we kind of get everybody back up to speed on what we were talking about. I think the big things for, for me that stand out is it's just incredibly time-consuming. And you don't you don't think about trust as time consuming. I think until you kind of actually set apart time to think about it. <laughs> right. uh, just how much human effort goes into trust and all of the laws and systems that we have in place to establish trust um, in our society. It, it actually it's one of the most time consuming things I think in in the entire economy is actually right. trust. Right. Exactly. You and I were talking kind of in between episode one and today about even trust having two different angles that land in the same place. And partly part of trust is official validation. Think of like a seal being stamped. And the other one is trust being like, I can rely on this. I can tr- I can depend on this. Um, and so, yeah, legacy trust is expensive. It's slow. It's human manual. Um, but you have mentioned that smart contract blockchains, of which Ethereum is the leader, uh, they're designed to automate trust. And, and remind us again, kind of the, the handles on automation. Um, what does automation mean kind of in this context? Yeah, so automation, well, first of all, automation is not a, it's not a, a, an on or off, right? I always say it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the definition of automation, all it means is that you're taking out the human effort that's required um, for some sort of action, whatever it is you're trying to do, right? Uh, think of something like uh, taking out a mortgage. You know, there's a lot of human interaction there in that process. Right. Um, a lot of human input. Well, automation in that in that situation would minimalize human effort. Um, and take that effort and basically put it into a piece of technology, software. Um, maybe it's maybe it's hardware. Maybe it's a piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. But you get the point. There is anytime you're you're using technology to lower the amount of human effort to do something that is automation. And so that's kind of like what we're talking about. It's really it's really good. We ended the first episode, which by the way, I would say if you didn't listen to it. Um, this episode may have a lot more sense, I think, if you, <laughs> that remains to be seen. This episode will make a lot more sense if you go back and listen to that one. Um, and even if you did, and it's a little fuzzy, and like, what's this trust thing again? Give the first one another listen, come back and listen to this, or listen to this and go back and listen to that one either way. Um, but we ended that episode with, with the idea that 
you know, software, digital bits, whatever you want to call it, uh, software is eating the world. And that statement from Mark Andreessen that one day we will do everything with nothing, right? And so this is kind of why we're talking about Ethereum. Ethereum is next level blockchain software and it's going to solve some serious problems or, or make some yeah. legacy things go away. Um, so let's talk for a second. There, there are people out there, it's really easy, right, with early tech. It's really easy to poke and point and make fun of a technology that's not perfect. It has limitations. At, at just a topical level, what are some of the limitations that people might point out about Ethereum? Remind us of those, and then we're going to get to our talking point, big talking point today. Well, yeah, one of them, um, it, this, this changes over time, depending on how heavily the Ethereum network is being used. So, like, basically, how many, like, if everyone in the world has Ethereum, and they're all trying to send a transaction at the exact same time, right, that's going to that's gonna make it slower and more expensive mm -hmm. for transactions to go through. So, main point there being Ethereum, um, it can only send so many transactions through at one at one point in time. Mm -hmm. And the more transactions that are trying to get crammed through the network, the more expensive it gets to even send the transactions and everything. So if you've heard of gas fees, like the gas is more expensive. It just means it costs a lot more to send an Ethereum transaction. So one of the big problems that Ethereum kept bumping up into over the last two years was, you know, let's say you wanted to send $40 worth of Ethereum from one wallet to another. Well, depending on when you did that, that might cost you literally $30 <laughs> to send the $40. You know, right. So right. at that point, it becomes a discussion around like, why am I even like buying this? Like, why do we have this? Right. It's incredibly frustrating from a, from an end user standpoint. So, um, that's, I, that was its biggest criticism was people right. definitely like latching onto that and saying, Oh, this is useless technology. Why would anyone want this? Ethereum is dead. Right. You know, I'm not buying it anymore. Right. You know, and that's kind of like the narrative that started forming. It's easy to take a limitation like that, a challenge and sort of, projected infinitely into the future as if that could never be solved. Right. Just like, you know, do you pay attention to technology at all, right? Um, technology gets lighter, faster, you know, more robust. Uh, that's what we expect. So setting up today, we're basically, basically going to talk about, I'll kind of give away our, our big point of view here. We think you should have more conviction uh, on Ethereum because Ethereum is solving it's really its biggest its biggest challenge, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's a video of Elon Musk that I think is really, really interesting from a technology level. Someone is interviewing him and they're basically pointing out like, hey, Elon, why are your cars so expensive? This is early in the days of Tesla. I think, I think a car was like 100K, like minimum. And basically she sort of accused him of only designing cars for the wealthy, you know, and, you know, and I think she thought she had him and, um, and he said, well, here's the thing. With new technology, the first thing it has to do is work. You have to get to that point, right? And so normally new technology, whether it's a new computer or a new Tesla at the very beginning, it's really almost unaffordable. Yeah. But, you know, you and I are both using a separate computer, right? Obviously, computers have come way down in cost. And obviously, Tesla cars now have come way down in cost where they're almost sort of affordable for 
maybe an upper middle class, uh, you know, business person, um, yep. whatever. And, and the expect, expectation is they would continue to get cheaper. That's how tech works. So today's episode on Ethereum is really talking about what the, uh, the merge or the rollout migration to Ethereum 2.0 is going to bring to Ethereum. Uh, and again, we think that this should build your conviction on what Ethereum is. And again, your call whether you invest further or uh, or don't invest at all, but at least know what we're dealing with. So Ethereum 2.0, tell us what that is, what's significant about it. Let's dive in. Yeah, so I think to really, to really understand what Ethereum 2.0 is, we kind of have to set a few terms out there and kind of define them, you know, mm-hmm. what they are. So... Um, Basically, blockchains. Uh, you may have heard you may have heard these terms before, but blockchains th- they take in data and they verify that data on their blockchain. And the process of verifying that um, it, you can do it in a number of ways. The the two that basically all of cryptocurrency uses is going to be proof of work or proof of stake. Um, so Bitcoin, for example, is proof of work. Um, a keyword on that is going to be like mining, mm-hmm. you know, mining. Anytime you have a computer that's mining Bitcoin, that is proof of work. It, it takes actual hash power in the computer and it uses up electricity, um, to verify the network proof of stake. It doesn't have mining. It actually uses a different mechanism where different token holders are actually staking their tokens. Think of it like locking it in a contract, right? Um, they're offering up their tokens and they're earning interest in return. So in proof of work, if you're mining, you're earning the money, the Bitcoin through mining, but with proof of uh, proof of stake, you're earning rewards through staking. Right. Um, so that's kind of the, the contrast there. But the big thing about Ethereum 2.0 is it's actually Ethereum in this 2.0 rollout. It's moving from proof of work to proof of stake. Um, and there's, a whole host of, of reasons behind that. We'll get, we'll get into it here in a second. Um, but the main thing is that that process is very uh, time-consuming, expensive. Right. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts. This isn't, it's not as something as simple as just like moving your desk from one room to another, right? Like, um, yeah. So that's the big idea there is Ethereum 2.0. When people are talking about that, it's essentially changing how the core of Ethereum's blockchain validates the network how they verify that what transactions are true. Right. So to connect the idea of smart contract, blockchains, automate trust, of which Ethereum is one of those blockchains, you know, you're saying that basically data is recorded, you know, a transaction is sent, and it's it's verified or validated, use any number of words. Um, and then the network basically achieves consensus through these mechanisms and so basically there's this immutable code written on the blockchain that basically everyone can look at and go, that's reliable, right. that's accurate. Um, and to, but it does all that um, without human effort. But right now you're saying with proof of work, it takes an extreme, it takes a lot of energy, mm-hmm. sort of convert energy from electricity, if you will, into data on Ethereum. And, right. and, and, and that's one thing that's interesting is like, we're doing all this stuff. We're not just doing all this stuff to run a bunch of computers or, or stake a bunch of stuff. Like this network has power. Yeah. It's it's almost its own kind of energy. 
Um, so this is really, really fascinating. So we talked about Ethereum being very expensive to use if a lot of people want to use it. And fortunately, a lot of people want to use it. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> right. Uh, let's not mock it too hard, right? Uh, so how does Ethereum 2.0, how is it going to help us uh, get, get cheaper transactions? Like, how does that happen? Is that going to happen? Yeah, so... Um, let's go back to the conversation about proof of work versus proof of stake. Mm -hmm. So for example, I mentioned Bitcoin is proof of work, right? There, there is no, there is no blockchain that's more secure than Bitcoin. It is the most secure blockchain and it's always going to hold that. Mm -hmm. you know, and that might be a strong statement, but like, I'm willing to bet. I like strong statements. I'm willing to bet on that. Like there's, <laughs> Bitcoin isn't just going to get passed up by something else um, on that. But the main thing there is uh, the reason the reason Bitcoin is not moving to proof of, of stake, it doesn't need to. Right. Like Bitcoin's value proposition is security, mm -hmm. right? And so proof of work is the most secure way to validate the network, to verify that things are true, right? Uh, to reach consensus, as you mm -hmm. put it. Um, so it doesn't make any sense for Bitcoin to move to proof of stake. But that doesn't mean proof of stake doesn't have a place, right? So, so for example, Ethereum is moving to proof of stake, and that's because it's basically saying, I, I'm sure uh, Vitalik would not. He's the he's like the the creator of Ethereum. He would not say it this way. But basically, Ethereum is saying, let's sacrifice a little security for scalability and adoption, right? The the, the market is demanding. It's requesting, I should say, that Ethereum produce more. Right. It, it, it's, it's requesting that Ethereum produce a higher volume um, for, for lower transaction fees. Right. So Ethereum is saying, yeah, like we, we want to fill this space. Like we want to meet that, that demand in the mm -hmm. market. And so we have to pivot off of proof of work to make, that, to make that happen. So it's sacrificing security and it's going after scalability and efficiency. Right. Um, so I, I always like, I mean... There's a lot of debate around this in the crypto space. Um, there's a lot of people that say, oh, proof of work is everything. Proof of stake is garbage. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's like you get to choose either one or the other. Right. Whereas I like to say, no, like neither one is better than the other. Right. They serve very different purposes. Right. Like I don't need to hold my net worth, which it, whatever, it's not that much. <laughs> I don't need to hold that in, in Fort Knox. Right. I don't think that doesn't make sense at all. Right. Right. But if maybe if I had, you know, if I was a trillionaire, we don't have one yet, but I think uh, Elon is about to get there. But if I was a trillionaire, maybe I would need, you know, right. Your own <laughs> yeah, I would need my own Fort Knox. Right? right. So security, it's not the end all, depending on what use case you're looking for. And I think that's a big, that's a big part of the discussion. Yeah, no, it's, that's good. And yeah, all or nothing thinking, you know, this has to be the best or the worst. I mean, that's just, you know, always going to have error and not really capture the nuance effectively. I think that's that's helpful. So I I need you on record to confirm: Will Ethereum 2.0 actually make if action on Ethereum cheaper? Yes, but you promise. <laughs> Do not promise. My talent promise. <laughs> I, yeah, whatever. I have learned that anytime I like take a mountain and like put a flag in it, like it's just a bad idea. Oh, oh man. But I, so it will make it faster and cheaper. 
Um, I think the, the hard part, it's hard to peg that down because fees in gas mm-hmm. on Ethereum, you're paying that in Ethereum, mm-hmm. right? So like, right. so like the, the, the gas, let's say on Ethereum this year, let's say I wanted to send some Ethereum to you. Let's say it's 0.05 Ethereum. Right. Well, maybe three years ago at one point, it was also 0.05 Ethereum. But three years ago, Ethereum was only one hundred and eighty dollars, mm-hmm. and now it's you know over a thousand dollars, right? So the U.S. dollar <laughs> equivalent of that fee has gone up, right. while the That's Ethereum has stayed static. That's a good so point. it's really hard to pin that down. <laughs> it will cost less Ethereum to send a transaction. Yes, the USD price will continue to fluctuate. Correct. Yeah, because like I mean, okay, if Ethereum goes to a million dollars. The transaction fees in terms of U.S. dollars are going to be insanely high. Right. But I'll be glad if that happens because I'll I'll be right. dancing, you know, in the streets. <laughs> so Ethereum, uh, I don't know what you want to call them. I, not fanboys, like some the Ethereum like big players. They've been they've been a little bit frustrated with things like NFTs or even things like like games mm-hmm. coming to Ethereum. Because like you said, what we just did is we take all these 8, 10, 12, 15, $30 transactions, and now you have a ton of transactions. Mm-hmm. And the gas is really based off the transaction dynamic, not the amount of the transaction. Yep. So moving $1,000 and moving $10 basically takes the same amount of gas. Correct. Yeah. Sort of like your truck, whether you take a ream of paper to the printer across the street or, you know everything you own, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to take a decent amount of the same gas to get it there. If you, if you will, um, I actually saw a, a story that, uh, there are some NFT projects that are even exploring other, other chains. Now that's going to be natural. And that doesn't mean like, Oh, like the project's done, but it's really interesting to me to see how like real world scenarios I mean, people are having to navigate around this. Yep. Like all these microtransactions have created a bit of a, a bit of a challenge, right? I mean, yep. if you were a bank and you were doing one transaction a day for all of your transa- you know, all of your interactions, who cares if it costs two hundred dollars? Yep. That's nothing, right? But for me and you, you know, playing Wolf Game, I mean, like, I can't, I just can't do that. You know, yep. and there's even stuff you and I have talked about. Hey, I would buy more of that more often, but I can't pay thirty to fifty dollars in fees. Yep. Every time I do it. Yeah. I think fees are fees are definitely going to be affected by the 2.0 rollout. But I think the most, the other areas of impact that I think the market will feel more heavily is going to be the transaction volume. So like right now, Ethereum in a block on mm-hmm. Ethereum network, um, it's putting through 30 transactions a second. Um, and that is going to go up to... It says it's supposed to scale up to 100,000 transactions per second. Um, and that, that will kind of like be rolled out over time. But the, the amount of transactions that will be able to be put through the, the network is going to go up really heavily. Um, I would say that's almost one of the, that would be a bigger win for the network as a right. whole than, than the transaction fees for right. sure. And, and I will say I've used the Solana blockchain a lot more than I have the Ethereum blockchain from like a actually sending um, either assets or, or, or sending things from one wallet to another. 
But I mean, give Ethereum credit, like it works. Yep. It's reliable, it works, it is expensive, right? Versus, you know, Solana, maybe to, you know, kick someone while it's down a little bit, it's unbelievably fast. It almost literally costs zero, but it's having some performance issues. And that's that scale you talk about, yep. right? Like speed, security, and so obviously Solana is two or three years behind Ethereum mm -hmm. and it, it deserves its own time to solidify right. and all that. But the point is, like Ethereum is very reliable. Yep. It's just expensive. Yep. So the hope would be that that this 2.0 migration or launch rollout uh, really does solve what is really the biggest and, and maybe only really big challenge Ethereum has. Um, so, so this is not, moving to Ethereum 2.0 is not like, I don't even know of a good analogy to contrast it with. Uh, this is no small feat. Like this is not like, um, swapping a big battery out for two smaller ones with double the speed. Yep. So just so people kind of can understand, because this thing's been delayed two or three or four mm -hmm. times now, give us at least some way of, of grasping the magnitude of, of what this is like. Why has it taken years to do this? Yeah, that's a great question. To, to <laughs> at a surface level, because I don't even think I can understand that. <laughs> I think... Well, you can understand it. Honestly, you can probably understand it a lot more than most people just from being in the software sure, world, sure. right? And working in, in, in that space. Um, but like the, the best way to describe it is actually not in technical terms. Thankfully. Uh, <laughs> it, it like a project like rolling Ethereum 2.0, it rolling it out. It, it's not just one person that's sitting in like a, a room that's coding and rolling out these changes. It's in like a huge network of developers and validators that are validating the network. Mm -hmm. And they all have to agree on all of the aspects of that rollout. They have to agree on the timing. Mm -hmm. Is the, is the code secure enough? It's like, <laughs> it's like literally, I don't it know. It seems impossible. Oh, yeah. It's like on your family vacation at the beach, and all your family's there, and you have to decide where you're going to go out to dinner. Like, like good luck with that. That's going to take you 30 years, right? No. That's an example. It takes longer than you think. Yeah, exactly. But the main thing there, not only is there multiple stages of rollout, but all of the, the, um, the technical details behind those rollouts, the timing, the code, mm -hmm. all of that, like, they don't move forward unless everyone's, you know, on board. And that has a massive impact on how things can get delayed. That, that doesn't even count, you know, the fact of, oh, there's new bugs that are coming up that have to work, work through in the code. And you can have tons of technical problems getting there without even talking about the, the fact that you have to consen have consensus amongst all these individuals. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's part of what makes it so secure, right? Like no one person can go in there and just destroy the network, right. but it also makes it really hard and really tedious to like switch stuff over like right. this. The whole turning a yep. aircraft carrier analogy, right? Maybe right. maybe by, you know, next week or tomorrow, you know, it's not going to turn in 15 minutes. Right. Um, okay, good. So what do we have an updated release date for Ethereum 2.0? Yes. Actually, it's funny. You asked me this question uh, early on in our podcast series. I think it was in the first five podcasts. And 
and I chuckled and said 2022 and I kind of like laughed as I said it and now I'm going to chuckle and say 2023 it's they're saying 2023 but it's it's really hard to mm -hmm. to pin that down um you know two years ago uh they rolled out the first phase of this transition where people were able to actually stake uh, mm -hmm. their ethereum so that was kind of like the big first phase and that part of us part of it is behind us um, but in this next phase it's basically going to be like two separate blockchains that are recording the same data in parallel mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like you're riding on one train and then you've got to get up next to this other train and we're going to like be holding both trains at once and then we're going to finally jump over right um and it's going to be a few years until it's it's fully right. realized. So this is not a binary yesterday. We were fully on 1.0 oh, and tomorrow yeah. we are fully on 2.0. It's not exactly like Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so everyone's going to... sunsetting. Right. Which you know means everyone on Twitter is going to argue about yes. are we on 2.0 yet or not? <laughs> that, like, <laughs> that sounds like a good time. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. So let, let's just say I am an investor or a user or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, let's just say five Ethereum. Um, let's talk for a second sort of underneath the umbrella of, you know, I'm, I'm not a staker. I don't have the 50 or hundred Ethereum or 250 that you have to, it's required to be a person on this, on the staking side. Um, at least on the Ethereum 2.0 part, yep. other people can stake less, but what sort of should I care about what of this impacts me if i'm just simply like yeah i'm a believer in ethereum and i have five like do will i have to sell my ethereum 1.0 and buy ethereum 2.0 right you won't have to do that everything happens in the background without you even having to participate um now there was like for example i mentioned earlier two years ago they made it so you could stake your ethereum mm -hmm. that was basically an open door to people if they wanted to participate in this in this merge process, um, they were able to, and they were actually able to earn more Ethereum back in an interest rate um, for doing so. Because basically, in order to make this work, Ethereum had to get, let's just say, they had to get 30% um, of the network to stake their Ethereum into this contract and lock it in for two years. And that was kind of like the first step. So um, there may be other steps like that along the way where you can participate if you want to and earn more. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're just a passive holder, yeah, you don't have to do anything. It'll just, it'll happen seamlessly and you won't even, won't even realize it. Gotcha. So I guess part of this is, I think we will know more as we get, if you can get closer to a launch that is indefinitely sort of a little bit fluid. I don't know yeah. what that even means, but um, sh so you mentioned this, this, this locking, right? At some mm -hmm. point, the Ethereum that people have locked is going to unlock, right? Yeah. Now, maybe there's a way that you continue to earn more yield if you remain staked and all that's to be ironed out or whatever. Do you have any concerns or any, any reads on how the Ethereum 2.0 transition migration is going to affect price? I... I will not ask you yeah. for a prediction by a certain day. <laughs> Please do not. I don't think it's going to have much of an effect on the immediate price action. As it relates to price, I, I would say you have to zoom out 
and realize that this shift to Ethereum 2.0 is going to unlock a massive, it's just going to massively raise the ceiling on what Ethereum is going to be able to do right. from a practical standpoint. Um, and, and what that means is when that happens, a new wave of adoption is going to come in. Mm -hmm. And to me, like yeah, that will affect the price, right? Because it's going to create a higher demand for Ethereum. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you're going to have a fixed supply on that. So it's, that's just going to change the dynamics of the market. And that's going to, that's going to affect the price over time. But I think it's hard to say, yeah. I don't know if that happens in six months. I don't know if that happens in two months, whatever. Right. And, you know. I'll tell you, I'm starting to come to this realization of um, it's sort of like in, in, in the Vegas idea of wherever the public is, you bet the other side. It doesn't matter what side it is. If the public's on this 70% outcome, go the other way. It's kind of like I'm, I'm sort of there have been people speculating about what price will do. And, yep. and first of all, I mean, we don't even know when it's going to be. We don't know what the market conditions. I mean, if it's at the end of 2023. I mean, maybe we're starting, prices starting to move up. And, yeah. You know, point is, if everyone says it's going to do one thing, it probably will do the other thing. Right, either exactly. Because people will front run it or whatever. And, and we'll keep everybody up to speed, uh, both on pod, uh, podcasts, and also in Discord about, you know, what we're seeing, articles people write, et cetera. Yeah. Any other sort of um, high top shelf, high importance things people should know about Ethereum as it relates to Ethereum 2.0? Yeah, I think. Um, uh, well, one of the one actually, I want to tag a comment on yeah. on the last point before we moved on. They uh, as it relates to price, one of the biggest things I'm looking at right now is, I want I obviously I want Ethereum to be high. I want the price to go up. So like, in the future, Ethereum could be let's just say twenty five thousand dollars. Here I am putting a number on it. Why am I doing this? You're uh, first. Yeah. Not first, but you know. But let's say let's say twenty five thousand dollars. In order for that to happen, the Ethereum network has to grow in its network size right. and its adoption, and that can't happen right. to that scale without two point mm -hmm. So it's kind of a different angle on discussing price and and the adoption side of things. But when I say zoom out and like look at it from a high level, mm -hmm. like that's what I'm talking about because like. Yeah, if Ethereum goes up to four thousand dollars, that's great. But like, I'm not buying Ethereum right now for a four x move. Right? Like, I I want to see immense growth mm -hmm. over the next ten years. But for that to happen, it it's got to get through this two point right. and it's got to grow in its adoption. Right. So I don't know. Just like from a pricing standpoint, I kind of like to think about it like that. Yeah, and it's kind of like again having our sort of technology lens on viewing the situation. It's sort of like, you know, the difference of they're talking about with, with um, uh, you know, bandwidth speed uh, for some re broadband or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, where the move to 5G is going to unlock new capabilities. It doesn't yeah. just make things like 2x faster, 5x faster. Yeah. It unlocks things we've never been able to do before, right? And so... That's a great analogy. Even though, like, even though it seems like... Ethereum 2.0 is rolling out very slowly. I mean, you know, when you compare that to like, you know, I mean, how much has your TV really improved in the last 10 years? Yep. I, some, yeah. some, but not like, not a hundred X, you know? 
So some of these, I mean, moving from 30 transactions per second to even, even 10,000 right. it is massive, massive growth, um, let alone 100,000. So again, keep it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my big frustrations with just crypto space in general is just the unbelievable impatience that everyone has. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, when is that going to be? Is it going to be tomorrow? <laughs> and it's like, no, right? right? And it's just, just, I don't know, I try to, maybe this is unique to me, I just try to check that in my mind, right? When I, when I see people frustrated, fussing, right? It's just like, don't buy something if it needs to do something tomorrow. You right. know? And it just yeah. The point is, Ethereum is, it, I am very happy as an Ethereum holder with the way things are going. That's yeah. kind of my big point, you know? Yeah. I have more conviction the closer we get to this 2.0 launch, because again, it is solving, addressing its biggest hurdle. And it's yeah. a big hurdle. It is a big problem, yeah. but this is natural. People talk about problems as if, well, you know, it, it shouldn't have it. It actually should have it. Like it makes sense that it does have this problem. Yeah, yeah it does. So yeah, any, Kind of zooming out a little bit, I mean, you know, do you feel like Ethereum is at risk? Do you feel like Ethereum, let, let's just say this, what if Ethereum doesn't project a little bit for the sake of the conversation? Like, what if it's September of 2023 and maybe we're like a little bit further along in this conversation? Is Ethereum at risk of being outpaced by? Solana's proof of stake, it's a little mm-hmm. bit unique in proof of stake. Solana, Avalanche, what if it's 18 more months? Yeah. Like it, do you think, in what way might Ethereum be at risk there? Is that something we I, should be concerned about? I don't, I think it's at risk of losing market share, certainly. Like the longer Ethereum takes mm-hmm. to do this, I see it as it, its market share mm-hmm. slowly shrinking, right? I mean, Solana is growing really fast but even compared to ethereum it, it's from like the the number of validators that are on the network and its mm-hmm. stability like we talked about earlier it has a long way to go right um but even you know even let's say solana keeps making immense progress and some of these other chains like avalanche um you know are continuing to grow even a year from now like i don't see it mm-hmm. as being really threatened like I think Ethereum has the luxury of time mm-hmm. because it was such a first mover. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And the, the, like, the amount of investment that is happening on the Ethereum network from different companies that are building on it, the developer community, it's continuing to grow. Like, it's carrying a lot of momentum, and that momentum isn't slowing down because of, because of the congestion, because right. of the gas phase. So if Ethereum was like, at a halt right now and it wasn't growing, I would be like, yeah, some pretty big red flags. Like maybe like this needs to get going mm-hmm. in September. If things aren't any different, like at some point it becomes a big problem, Right. but the network is still growing. Like people are still starting to build on it and everything. So mm-hmm. to me, it's kind of like a, it's not that big of a deal right. yet. Yeah. I think one thing's kind of adjacent to that, but a different direction. I think one of the things I'm looking to see happen. Um, so right now, uh, companies are sort of, they're bolting on things like Ethereum or blockchain to their existing web-based infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like saying Web3 bolted onto Web2. 
and and like cool right like that's good um but it was sort of like the days when like your mobile app was just like a packaged version of your website yeah it's like this is not an app this right. is a website on my phone that i can click an icon and open right it, that's not the best analogy but it's the best i can do at the moment like so i think part of it is i want to start seeing native blockchain mm -hmm. applications that's one of the signs for me that like, like and that's part of what eth 2.0 unlocks it's just going to make it more feasible to actually operate yep. transact you know interact with the network instead of just having to do sort of bolt-on bolt-on stuff um so again yeah is it is it three to, is it two years is it four years is it five years i mean it's going to happen fast but not tomorrow fast, right? right. So I don't know, that's kind of one of the things I'm, uh, I'm looking for. But again, like you said, I'm very excited about Ethereum. It's a major position for both of yep. us. Um, you know, part of this is sort of a, a, we're trying to help you do your own research. Um, any any last remarks before we, uh, before we close this episode out? Uh, I would just encourage people to, I always say this, like go and do more digging and yep. learn more. I know like we just scratched the surface right. on a lot of the stuff and you know we were able to go deep on some of it but yeah dive in and learn more because uh, it's just going to help your understanding of of the technology uh, and even open up you know other opportunities as well like you know things like deciding to invest in solana came from seeing some of the limitations that ethereum right. was bumping bumping up into you know that we talked about here so like anytime i've dove in and studied and learned it's always unlocked right. new opportunities some of the opportunities are bigger than others but um that would be my my parting uh encouragement for sure awesome well i hope everybody's enjoyed this uh building conviction series on ethereum uh this is episode two uh, of that series um, we will see if there is a third uh, episode in that series but our, our goal is to continue providing you know accessible information accessible uh, education and really it's about sort of learn with us i mean i did not know a lot of this you know three months ago right so yep. we're trying to commit to continuous rapid learning and and even further adoption in the way we uh, use this information so for justin i'm brandon thank you guys for joining us and we will see you next time for more information check out our website at blazingcrypto.io additionally if you have friends that are new to crypto, share our trailhead videos from our website, which is a great way to get introduced to crypto.